Well, you know, this morning, Latif, you know, we, we come here this morning at the beginning of this uh, beginning of the end of what we don't know, this presidential election. Your points that you were making about, you know, we, we were sort of dissecting the electoral population in a small East Texas town in Lision Fields, where we are now, where, where I grew up. You know the story of our land and all this. But here we are as election officers this past election, and we pretty much were there where nobody else really Democrat probably thought they would want to be and we were in the middle of red and we saw uh the interaction of uh, the republican poll workers versus us the democratic poll workers and you, you made mention of two young people that were there shannon and, and dylan who uh, we were with for two weeks and uh, they both are young uh, 18 to 20 year olds and, and and i think my opinion was that a lot of these young people as you have said are sort of guided by their parents which is not unusual. I'm sure Democratic kids that came in there, if they came in, they were guided by their parents also. But I think your point that you make about how when these, when Dylan and Shannon go out into the, I suppose, the, both seem to have aspirations of not wanting to stay there in East Texas and Elysian Fields. And so during the, uh, during the, uh, during the, uh, during the, during the, uh, uh, your, your statements were, uh, that, that once they leave this region and area, that they may too become blue or become purple or whatever, I don't know. But I think we both agree that what is happening and what happened in this election all over the country is that the more urban and suburban an area was, the more likely it was to be blue. And that the more rural the area was, the more likely it was to be red. And I think you see that from a demographic point of view. Uh, that people are, you know, the, the, the demographic shift also is, is very obvious because in Texas, in 2000, from 2016 to 2020, two million people moved to Texas from New York, Los Angeles, Illinois. And, you know, we say, whoa, here come them liberals. Well, stop. Maybe they weren't liberals. Maybe they were the conservatives getting the hell out of California, getting the hell out of New York. Uh, the young man that came in where his parents were from Buffalo and he had the Buffalo hat on. I think you might remember when he voted. And I asked him, how are you a Buffalo Bills fan in East Texas? And he said, well, my family's from Buffalo. Um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, just this morning, you know, that's why I wanted to record this because for so many times, uh, Latif, during this election process, we haven't stopped really to really uh, document and archive and, you know, it's so very important uh, to our point, uh, to our LaFalle group, uh, what we're uh, uh, supposed to be doing. People want to know this kind of dialogue that is from previous experience, not from just what we just jumped up this morning and started talking. No, we didn't. Uh, we have real background. You have real background. Uh, we're positioned, I think, right now in this period of time by the powers, the forces, the gods, the God that be, to have me and you here. I mean, you know, right now with some, I don't know, introspection about what has just transpired, what is transpiring. Of course, we know this morning that uh, Joe Biden looks like he's about to flip uh, Pennsylvania. He's already last night flipped Georgia for the most part. And I think most of us now as Americans are wondering about what the heck is gonna be about this. I saw him go to pieces just pretty much did your thing, Dad. <laughs> what do you want me to say now? You said everything.
not much for, more for me to say. Well, I guess I talked for you and talked for me too. Uh, so what, did I put it right? Or? I mean, this is my thing. I just, I'm hopeful, but I'm, I'm skeptical. Um, my hope, I mean, obviously, like I said earlier this morning, Joe Biden, people don't give him enough credit for his experience he's had in Congress and the experience he's had. Um, you know, being, to be a select, for Obama to select you as vice president, it's not a nearly willy pick. He would be at his choice of anybody he wanted in Congress and anybody in American politics, but he chose Biden for reasons. And I think part of the reason he picked him was because he could help him to, to, to make compromises across the aisle. But then at the same time, you know, the Congress that Obama had to deal with, they weren't willing to make compromises with him. Maybe this time around, they'll be willing to compromise a bit more. Um, as far as, like I told you the other day, I'm just looking at the map because it's so fascinating. Um, I haven't looked at the Washington Post map, but the Google map was interesting because you could look at the whole map and then you can click and look at each county, look at each precinct. And what was shocking to me, um, Pennsylvania was a big state for him to take, but to me, the most telling states that he took was Wisconsin, Michigan, and Minnesota. Because those are states I believe that Hillary either lost last election or, or she should have won. Well, Wisconsin, she lost, and uh, in, in Ohio, she lost. What, what, what Ohio is important to me because Ohio, there's rural parts of Ohio, but there's really big metropolitan parts of Ohio, like Cincinnati, Cleveland, Columbia, Cleveland Columbus. These are big cities, um, and I, I believe those went blue, maybe, perhaps. But for Ohio, for him not to take Ohio was kind of shocking to me because I, I would have felt like. Just like Pennsylvania is kind of industrial, right. he's kind of got that, he's from Scranton, he's been, lived sure, in Scranton, sure, sure. I would have thought he would have been able to take Ohio too. So that's kind of, that's kind of discouraging. Well, it's discouraging, but I think Latif too, you may look at that, those counties in Ohio, of that, those suburbs, so I think the suburbs surrounding Cleveland went red. Right. Okay, they, they that's, been, that's something to work on. And that's something, to, yeah, well, absolutely. Uh, I, I think uh, a lot of, uh, the lady that I saw that actually believed that her, two things, that her 401k was doing well, and that uh, Donald Trump was literally, she said, she didn't say it, but she said it, was gonna protect the suburbs from this encroachment of these urban people. Um, but, you know, back to this thing about you have hope. Uh, is your hope based on uh, realistic uh, data, analytics, or is it based on pretty much your love for this country? Um. I think part of it is I, I have a love for the country. It's like I, I, I watch, probably sit around and watch more documentaries on history than most. But um, also, like when you watch anything about history, read anything about history, I like I like how it's implemented and it's 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 time oriented and times are changing for a certain demographic of the country. Not just white, but just even older folk. You know, you, a lot. I, I wouldn't expect somebody to believe that it's socially acceptable for somebody to be gay and get married and, you know, all the different things that are happening now, even like having like, you know, bathrooms that are, um, you know, how about the gender fact, neutral. How about the but fact that's that something that I feel like over the next 20 or 30 years is going to become more socially acceptable. But I'm, I'll be older then, so to me even it'll be like, wow, 
these new norm because every norms are, yeah, there's gonna be new mores I should say exactly. social mores that are changing I'm gonna look around I'm gonna be like wow I, that's not how I came up but I think those social mores are right. gonna change more and more and more and the people that the people that either supported Trump or doing the protests were so you know so anti Black Lives Matter I feel like over time they phased themselves out so that's the hope I have but that's not something I feel like I'm gonna see before I'm. You know, I'm out there. Well, don't don't think you may not, because another thing that just stands out there is that this country just elected Delaware just elected the first transgender person to go to Congress. Right. And that's, that's, that's that's and that's that's beyond gay. What I'm, what I'm saying. That's, Sorry to say. What I'm saying that's like that's like a step, right? Yeah. Well. And 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 and, and that step is going to continue and continue, but it's. It's, it's gonna take years. Like we talk about the Black Lives Matter, or you discuss, you know, things you've seen as far as or what you've seen as far as the Black Freedom Movement. Young people want things to happen right now. Right. You know that immediate gratification, sure. and that's just not the way change no, happens. No. Change happens in increments. That's right. You know the Black Freedom Movement was was in, it was incremental from say what Reconstruction. Sure. And, sure. E, and each era sure. had its own little progress, Absolutely. but. But I, and I feel like that's not just with Black Lives Matter. I think that's with any kind of change that we want to see for, you know, the young people that are coming about is that it's going to take time. It's not going to be, you know, you. I mean, this this is great that you wake up in the morning and know that Donald Trump is closer to going to prison than he was the day before. But I think like actual fundamental change right. is going to take time. But this year has been so wacky and so crazy and so frightening to everybody that I think change is on is on a. On a Closer course to, to than it was, say, a year or two ago, five years ago. So that's what my hope is: is that at least people have their eyes open; they're not as blinded as they were, say, a year or two, three years ago. Right, and when you know this immediate gratification thing, it's sort of a childlike thing because anything that, and I think Dr. King and many great men have said, anything that's lasting is a long, slow, arduous process. It doesn't happen overnight. And I think what has to happen with groups like Black Lives Matter is that, as Van Jones said, that, that these are not just little, those, those Black Lives Matter kids or young people are more really re resolute, but more organized certainly than our civil rights 60s anti-whatever movement, you know, anti-racism. I think those, those I don't black, think they're as organized though. You think they're, they're less organized I, than Stokely yeah, Carmichael and the Black Panthers? I definitely do. And, and less reason, organized? Less organized, yes. And, and the main reason I, I feel that way is that the, your generation, the Stokely Carmichael's generation, every generation perceiving that had much more respect for what the previous generation did will formalize education and the value it has uh -huh. infusing itself into the freedom movement you know um and black lives matter doesn't this, I, a very, I, I, this, this is a very this is a very this is a, a generation with more academic access i believe i don't think they have the same appreciation because say you come from a generation where your mother and father they didn't really have the opportunity or the access to education. Or they, for one, they didn't have the opportunity to. They had to go to work and take care of their family. So they, 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 your aspirations they, they, were set in stone well, right from the get go. Right, and not just that. And, and it shouldn't have had to happen that way. But it made it that they made it a priority for you and your siblings to to appreciate education and to go forth and, and, and achieve education. I don't think that was just our family. I think that was I think that was a generational thing that a lot of parents 
of that era from say the, the 40s to maybe the 70s, they didn't have an opportunity to go to say to access higher education. So they made it they made it a they made it a, a certain value for the next generations too. And I think that's why you have like the black arts movement, the black freedom movement, everything that was special about the 60s is because I mean all these guys was college students. Huey, Bobby Seale was a college student, like you say, um, um, Stokely Carmichael from SNCC to every organization had a, a, a yeah. student and had a student um, presence to it. I think, I, and I think that's one of the things that really hurts my heart about this year is that because of COVID, the, the, the this encapsulated like small black freedom movement we saw this summer, it didn't have the same student vibe because the students weren't on campus really. Right. They were at home. And I mean, I think it, it had great value that they were home because they could actually march their streets and protest sure. in their own cities. Sure. But I would have liked to see what that protest would have looked like on college campuses sure. no, itself. That's a really While question. they're in the midst of yeah. studying yeah. philosophy and sure. studying history, sure. at the same time being yeah, able to absolutely. reflect that history, absolutely. that philosophy, looking at movements like, you know, even Leninist Marxist movements, looking at the Bolsheviks and looking at even American history in itself or the French Revolution, it, 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 it gives you a certain background of, of who came before you and how they were able to achieve some degree of freedom. I think that's what this generation kind of misses. They have a romantic view of Malcolm. They have a romantic view of Martin. They don't see the pragmatic side of, of those men or um, Stokely Carmichael and others. They, they see they see the victory, but they don't see the process. Right. It's almost like, you know, I wrote a statement on Facebook about the three young people that came in, white, black, and Latino, who were not even registered to vote. While they had the will, they did not know the way. And, and you know, that's so prophetic. You know, uh, Latif, you know, we talk a lot about the African-American. That we, uh, you know, I really want us to, you know, kind of dive a little bit, just a little bit into the Latino piece. But also, two, three books that I've been, you know yourself, that I've sort of absorbed myself in, really speak to these people that, you know, the Dillons and the Shannons, the, the dying of whiteness, uh, the people in Miami, Texas, you know, who are really, I mean, really, I think you and I both agree. I wouldn't say that, that like Donald Trump said, there's some good people that came in the Legion fields and voted, but they were people. Of course. And they had lives, and their lives did matter. And uh, they, whether their grievances they perceive are real or not, they still have, feel have grievances.